1: Hey, everyone. Josh Neighbors here for the Neighborhood Watch, part of the 365 Sports Network on Crystal Wall College Football. We are less than 200 subs away from our goal of 12,000 by the beginning of football season, so please subscribe and help us get there. We have previewed every single uh, remaining Big 12 team, including OU and Texas. So now it is time to preview the incoming four schools. We have got UCF, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston all coming up for previews today. We've got Trace Trilco from the Sons of UCF show. He comes on with us to preview UCF in 2023 and beyond because the Knights are definitely a program where I think everybody's saying, all right, Florida school, they can recruit in Texas now. They're in the heart of SEC country now in a Power 5 conference. They have many opportunities. And so we discuss this season and beyond for Gus Malzon's outfit in Orlando. You guys will really enjoy this one. We have gotten to the new teams in the Neighborhood Watch Big 12 team previews. Trace Trilco is here from the Sons of UCF podcast. I made the trip on his show. He is here for hours today to preview UCF, their first year in the Big 12 conference. Uh, I've got my tank top on for two reasons. Number one, we're heading to sunny. Florida with this preview, obviously, number two, let's got back from a run. So excuse my casualness. And also I do appreciate you rocking the brand, these sons of UCF shirts. So uh, Trace, thank you for being here. And first things first, I think this UCF team, it, generally speaking, long-term and short-term has kind of the highest expectations uh, for any school. Even, you know, it's funny, I'm talking to you today. I saw a couple days ago, um, I think it was actually last night, Josh Pate had a nice little bit about UCF and about their future in the Big 12 and why they've got a really good chance because of recruiting and whatnot. And even beyond that to this year, they've got a very good chance, to, I think, make some noise in the conference. So thanks for being here. And uh, UCF, a lot of buzz this season and beyond the new Big 12.
0: Yeah, good to see you again, Josh. I, I dressed up. I didn't know. I would have been a little more casual. I'm sorry. I'm so you. casual. It's, I'm the show host, and I'm letting you down. I'm sorry. <laughs> we may need to branch out into uh, Sons of UCF tank tops. Uh, yes. Yeah, a lot of buzz, a lot of good vibes, but I imagine that's the case all over the country, right, in the in the middle of August uh, mm-hmm. as, as the season nears. But in the short term, a lot of pieces back for UCF. Uh, you feel good about what they have. And uh, good home schedule, how the night's fare on the road may tell you how far they go in the Big 12 this year. Now, long term, you know, is this the best geographic fit for UCF when you see the SEC and the ACC and then you see the, the, the makeup of this conference? Uh, probably not from travel standpoint, maybe development of rivalries, but... Well, UCF out there in Florida and head coach Gus Malzahn when he made that move uh, into UCF a couple of years ago said that he was going to recruit like his hair was on fire and he was going to really lock in on Florida and Central Florida and he has proven that Knights with what's shaping up to be a very nice recruiting class. Uh, he has inked uh, quite a few guys you know gotten those commitments from quite a few guys at this mm-hmm. point. That's the long-term where UCF can really succeed, Uh, being the Big 12 team in the state of Florida. They're hearing from recruits that, you know, liked UCF before, but how far are you going to go in the American Athletic Conference? And now in the Big 12, you have a chance to go very far. So I think that's what recruits want. They want an opportunity at that level of player to play for a championship. So that is where UCF has a big long-term strategic advantage.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, already shaping up to have a nice 2024 class amongst the best, the Big 12, and I think uh, potential for elite recruiting, especially now when you factor in that UCF will be playing in Texas multiple times a year. I think that's something that you know, as a, as a school in the state of Florida, uh, it's very very exciting for them to be in that recruiting bed and also be able to extend on. Uh, as it pertains to this year's team, uh, I'm a Gus Malzahn guy. I told I told you this the first time that we spoke, and. Gus is now, I mean, wow, it's, you know, it's, it's your number three already of Gus Malzahn at UCF and um, you never know about what the future is, but he seems pretty content, like pretty happy at UCF and he is recruiting pretty hard, obviously too. And, you know, it looks like this is a place that he has designs on staying. Now, you never know. You have know, a certain job call. You, you could always go, but he seems pretty content right now uh, in Orlando.
0: That seems to be everything that he says. You know, the pressure cooker environment in Orlando for UCF different than it was in Auburn, Alabama, yeah. and that he experienced in the SEC. I think he and his wife like the relaxed lifestyle. That doesn't mean they're not competitive. It doesn't mean he doesn't want to field, uh, you know, an elite program. But the demands of, uh, you know, a very young donor base, young alumni base. It's different than it is in a place like Auburn, Alabama. So I think he likes the environment and a real opportunity to succeed uh, at UCF for the long term. So uh, it seems like a good fit for him. It's a marriage that's working for everybody right now.
1: So this year's team, uh, highlighted obviously by the return of quarterback John Rice Plumley on offense, they get a lot of the, the big thing of them is they get a lot of skill guys back, right? They're going to get Plumley back. And then uh, uh wide receiver, they have John Javon Baker and then Kobe Hudson are two wide receivers uh, that they're gonna bring back. So like the skill positions seem pretty set. Um people people like John. I th- here's here's my thought on John Rice Pomley. I think he's a good player. I think people kind of like the thought of a athletic quarterback who gets better as as time goes along. I think they kind of like the idea of what he could become. I would say my my concern is uh the results for him as a passer and i know you've heard a lot of this but the results for him as a passer do leave a decent amount to be desired in my opinion at at times so what are the, what's the word of his progression uh he, he does not lack for confidence you can tell that which is obviously i think it's a pretty good thing and he's clearly the leader of his team but uh what is kind of Plumlee's progression been like what you've been hearing this offseason
0: yeah, no lack of confidence, but you heard from players uh, at Media Day that they see a different command of the offense. So whether that is confidence or just a greater understanding and command of the offense, you know, we're going to see. Head coach Gus Malzahn has said he has seen a night and day difference in John Rice Plumley, New offensive coordinator this season, Darren Hinshaw, former UCF quarterback in the early 90s. Uh, wants to see more downfield passing from John Rice-Mundley. And you've heard it from the players that he has been more effective in that. When they broke down film last year, they saw he got hit an awful lot and that his first instinct was to hit the ground running. And they don't want to take that away from him because he's very fast. Dual sport athlete excelled as well during the baseball season but they don't want him to get knocked out of games and be concussed and have the other hamstring injury and things like that that really impacted his season. Not to echo a Gus Malzahn talking point, but he had made that transition. He'd been wide receiver and then made that move uh, when he came to UCF to be quarterback. So last season was his first really in development as a quarterback. So we're going to see whether he makes that night and day difference in a league you know much stronger than the American Athletic Conference, making that jump to the Big 12. The signs so far, about halfway through camp, second scrimmage set for Saturday, is that he's having a good camp, that he is learning the offense. That doesn't mean that there's not uh, you know much more to be learned and and perfected and worked on. But everything you're hearing is they like what they're seeing from John Rice Plumley. and you make the argument despite the uh, skill positions, uh, what they've got back at running back. offensive line that offensive line coach Herpan says is the best that he has had in all of his years of coaching. Uh, you know, eight, nine deep is what Gus Malzahn says, the rotating three, uh, three sets of guys uh, during camp, uh, that the season really hinges on whether we see that market improvement on John Rice Plumley.
1: So what do you expect the offense to look like this year? Because, you know, if, um, Gus Malzahn's offenses have, they, they have drawn all kinds of reactions, right? Sometimes they look, uh, you know, they, they are exactly what's needed. Sometimes there's a bit too much, happening in terms of motion and kind of you know uh, not uh, all sizzle kind of no stake in some ways shape or form at times what do you think this iteration of the Gus Malzahn offense with the influences of Darren Inshaw and Coach Hand are going to be like for them th- this year is to be that run first attack again or are they going to let um kind of try to go for more balance because they do have two very skilled wide receivers and in, in Baker and Hudson who are very experienced
0: Yeah, I mean, what we're hearing when I spoke with the offense coordinator Darren Hinshaw Media Day said that they're going to be fast and you've heard it echoed from the players that they're going to continue to be fast. Sometimes what uh, has hindered Gus Malzahn is that he maybe outthinks himself a bit, you know, he wants that trickery, he wants that creative play. Uh, that, you know, you, you, question sometimes when it's being called disrupting the flow of the offense and he's turned the play calling over to Darren Hinshaw. Darren Hinshaw says that he wants to make better use of John Rice Palmley's skills, that they have talented wide receivers. They're going to run the ball. They've got RJ Harvey back and they've got talented running backs. So if the offensive line is as it's billed and you can run the ball effectively, you have talented wide receivers, you have a, a veteran tight end and Alec Holler back and, uh, if John Rice Plumlee makes better decisions and hangs in the pocket just a second more and, and looks at his reads, it, 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 you know he, he will find talented wide receivers. Whether all those things come together, don't know. We're going to see in uh, 20 days when they welcome in Kent State, go to Boise State, and then, of course, mm-hmm. uh, shortly after that, get in the heart of that Big 12 schedule, four games at home, five on the road in Big 12 play. Uh, but there's an opportunity here offensively uh,
1: for the knights to make strides from last season, so on on defense, actually a group that for the most part, you know this that was that was pretty strong for them uh, last year, and it ends up at the end you know the end of the year. I think in terms of like the total numbers, it's a top uh, I think it was a top forty defense in terms of points against. So actually, a pretty strong group. How much of that group is coming back? Where is this group strong? Where do they have to improve? And kind of what you know, and it's a lot of a lot of questions here. But we'll start with that first. So what is this group's strength coming into 2023. Everything we're hearing is that the strength
0: will be along the defensive line. Another first-year coordinator, defensive coordinator Addison Williams, uh, Travis Williams moved on to Arkansas. So Mm -hmm. uh, a change there. So you're going into this Big 12 season with new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. What we're hearing is that the expected strength is along the defensive line. UCF was stout in the red zone on defense, but not so opportunistic on turnovers. That's been a point of emphasis in this a preseason camp. You hear from the players at Media Day saying we have to not miss opportunities, a tip ball. You got to reel it in as an interception. You know, you can't have that ball bouncing around. You got to scoop up the fumble. And they were not as strong in that. So they're not flipping the field with turnovers, and they're going to need to do that. So uh, defensive line is where they are expected to be strong. Thereafter, after question marks, you know, about the secondary. They're going into a pass-happy, offensive-prolific league in the Big 12. They're going to get thrown on. Uh, and can they make strides? Uh, returning players, but... Uh, you know, that, that remains a question mark uh, going into the season, whether we're going to see that step up and play from the secondary.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a big question. I think for a lot of, you know, there, there are actually some, there are some pretty solid secondaries in this league, but I, I think uh, a lot of schools have that concern. And I guess, is that your big concern? Because I, I do think it's, it's interesting. You know, a lot of folks do think, okay, you are going to get the text text of the world. You are going to get those teams that are just like dynamic passing attack. But I do have to say that, you know, um, you know, you look at the, last four schools to play in a Big 12 championship game. You know, TCU had Max Duggan, but Kendre Miller obviously was a massive part of that. Deuce Vaughn, a huge part for, for that offense for Kansas State, and they do like to spread the ball around. But 2021, Oklahoma State and, and Baylor, you know, running that ball downhill at you, right? And then before that, Brees Hall obviously was a massive part of what Iowa State did getting to the 2020 title game, and, and Oklahoma could run the ball some too. Um, you know, it, but are those more dynamic passing attacks – kind of the the big worry um or is it maybe you know the more dynamic quarterbacks guys like a jalen daniels that you know every offense is worried about but you know is what what kind of scares you what kind of offense scares you the most uh going up against this defense the uh passing attacks attacks. Uh, again
0: yeah yeah i feel better about the defensive line and what they have there uh, you know, some depth questions, maybe at linebacker, UCF brought some guys in through the transfer portal. And, you know, back on we talk about recruiting and UCF being in Florida. UCF is also a very attractive destination in the yes. transfer portal. And I think that's going to be an advantage for them. You know, UCF bills itself as, you know, UCF plays where the world vacations, uh, not only an attractive destination for visiting fan bases, but I think, young student athletes like playing in a place like Orlando, not far from the beach. It's an easy destination for families to come to. And again, reeling in that in-state talent where families can come and see their kids, but being a destination where, especially in the big 12 now, you get a higher profile uh, that that's a big advantage for UCF. So they've brought in some transfers. It's going to be the question though. We're going to have to see how they, you know, we're not going to see that challenge uh, when they welcome Kent State from the MAC in the opener. Uh, but it's when they start, you know, when they have Baylor, when they go out on the road to Kansas State, uh, when they see these passing attacks. That's that's when we're going to see the difference uh, that Addison Williams has made and whether the tweaks he's made. You know, bringing uh, him, having him being promoted, you know, it's not wholesale changes, just familiarity with him. Uh, right. But he's, he's going to bring a difference and see how they adapt to it. And again, you know, we get once a week uh, about 15 minutes of uh, practice availability, which uh, consists of stretching drills and handoffs. So we're not really seeing anything. A second right. scrimmage set for Saturday, no media access. So we're flying blind a little bit on this and a little bit speculative. And, you know, there will be a unit that we go into the season thinking is going to be a bit stronger, that there's a drop off and somebody we're not anticipating is going to step up will. So we're flying a little blind, but the, the talking points going into the season is strong on the defensive line. Question marks may be in the secondary and those guys need to step up
1: are uh, they're they thinking uh four, two, five, what three, three, five, what kind of uh, are they are they going go? because you know basically every big twelve school at this point is running some variation of a three three five. Uh, what are they expecting formation? Yeah it yeah in the... The, the,
0: just what you said there that's what they're they're looking to do and yeah again, you know what what we see is so limited uh, and and you know we just don't get a lot and right that, you know that that hinders your ability to to preview a team uh entirely you know it, when you don't get that and some schools have that level of access at UCF well we don't get that level
1: well it's funny because you know I, I was talking and I work with with a guy who played at Arkansas they, they always talk about you know how open the practices used to be and I mean now you know these practices are it's like they've got the nuclear codes in some of these practices you'd think with the way the coach was treated so so privately and look I get it I I do get some of it but um yeah, it's very very limited on the information front. I want to want to circle back to a point you made about the transfers, and this is a reason why UCF is so appealing. Because, look, you know, if a kid's going to an SEC school and they transfer and they want to, you know, transfer either back home or to Florida, um, you know, UCF could not say they were a Power Five school. Now they can do that, and it's evidence kind of in this last group. Uh, I'm just going to go through some of the guys, you know, or some of the just the you know transitions here: Oklahoma to UCF, Georgia to UCF, Washington state to UCF. Um, let's see. We have all the way out in Fresno, but Alabama, Clemson, ASU, Stanford, Kentucky, and Florida all had players transfer from those schools to central Florida. So that is one thing, you know, I know we're talking about this season, but like as we spin this thing forward is their ability to accumulate talent. I think we all believe it's about to, to kind of start really kicking into high gear.
0: Yeah, you know, they don't feel anybody is out of reach, so they're going to recruit anyone. Obviously, they're mm-hmm. not going to get everyone, but they maintain positive relationships. And, you know, you're playing time at another school. You're not going to be a fit in every school, right? So they remain a destination where, okay, it didn't work out in Gainesville, but now I have an opportunity to go to UCF. And it's not a step down in terms of league. Okay, we're moving from an SEC to a Big 12. I still can contend for a conference championship at UCF perhaps more strongly than you would be able to in Gainesville, right? right. Uh, with the competition, you that, know, these super true, leagues yeah. for all of that talk of super leagues. Uh, what's your path forward to winning the SEC if you're in Kentucky? Uh, what is it at Ole Miss, uh, Arkansas, perhaps, when you've got Alabama and, you know, all the greats uh, and and they're bringing in more schools mm-hmm. and it's going to be difficult for Oklahoma and Texas in the, in the slugfest that's the SEC. But not that the Big 12 isn't a big conference, but top to bottom, you know, you've got a lot of open competition there. Look at the teams that have played in the Big 12 championship game. So it's wide open, right? I know everybody's mm-hmm. saying Texas every year. Everybody says Texas, but. It hasn't been Texas. So which school will it be this year? It seems wide open and uh, that's an advantage for UCF. Uh, They remain a welcoming place. So they might not get every guy, but they maintain good relationships and look, they're recruiting uh, transfers from all across the country.
1: All right. So look at the schedule here. It's pretty interesting in the beginning. They start off with Kent state, as you mentioned at Boise state Villanova at K state. So that is a pretty challenging month of, of September there, uh, with two trips—one out west and one to Manhattan, Kansas. So, and I, I'm I'm somebody that I break the schedule up usually by month, just because it's easier to compartmentalize. Um, it's a rough start. That's a or at least a challenging start. I think roster wise, pound for pound, I think they've got a better group, and, and Boise State's not been Boise State as of late. But um I think that that trip is going to be a big one to define kind of how this early thing's going to look for uh, for the Knights.
0: Yeah, I agree. I put a a good deal of emphasis on that Boise State. I think it's a game obviously they can win. I don't think it's an easy win on the road on the blue turf. A 3 and 0 start means for bowl eligibility you need just go 3 and 6 in league play when you begin that right. schedule. I think Kansas State is a difficult road game of the Kansas State Kansas, Kansas State the more challenging of the two. Uh, but if you're two and two after September and, you know, the, the talk, of course, that the Knights maybe have the most depth that they've had at several positions ever. Right. But the attrition over the course of the season, I don't think UCF wants to find itself at a, at a five win where they must win that final game of the year in order to get bowl eligibility. So getting that three wins off the top there, getting the win at Boise, of course, the wins over Kent State, and Villanova at home. And, and then we'll see what kind of team. UCF has. I still think Kansas state is a challenging road game. They've got, you'll continue on with the schedule, A tough one at Oklahoma as well. And uh, for me, I think the trip out to Lubbock is a challenging one for the night. So uh, three and one, I think would be optimal for September dropping Boise, I think makes the season a little bit more challenging for them.
1: Yeah. Cause that's that, you know, and I know September uh, the, the, um, the Baylor game is, is in September, but I'm kind of going to lump it into October because they have their buy in October. So that next four games played Baylor at KU at Oklahoma, West Virginia. You know, I I think that is a, that is a, I mean, it feels like it's going to break as a, as a two and two, but there's a, there's a three and one possibility in there too. Um, Right. And I I think the OU game is probably the one you look at and say, okay, it's going to be really difficult, but Baylor we'll see what they have at that point in time at Kansas has been, it's become a more difficult place to play. Uh, but talent wise, UCF still matches up pretty well with them. The West Virginia game, look, I'm not sure Neil Brown will be coaching West Virginia at that point in the season. <laughs> so there is a bit more opportunity here as they go in October, but still it's just, it's kind of a mixed bag there. Uh, and I think it's kind of, a, that's how I feel about this entire schedule. It's kind of a mixed bag opportunity, right? But the plenty of challenges.
0: Uh, the home schedule there with uh, Baylor, West Virginia, Knights fans like that, Baylor. First uh, team from the Big 12 to come into the bounce house. Right. Uh, rematch, UCF leads that series, having defeated Baylor in the 2013 Fiesta Bowl, so mm-hmm. that 2013 season. So uh, opportunity to revisit that team uh, at that Baylor weekend. So Oklahoma's the big road game uh, for as many fans that are interested in Boise State. It's Oklahoma, former UCF quarterback Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. That one is very interesting, especially go Oklahoma leaving the league. When else you going to have opportunity to – perhaps play at uh, Oklahoma. So that one challenging, right? That one is Mm -hmm. tough. You don't want to stumble on the road to Kansas credit to Kansas being a better program last season than they have been for several years. So back to, can you defend the home turf? Can you get the wins over Baylor, West Virginia, get that win uh, at Kansas? Well, that's interesting now, right? If they stumble at Kansas state, And at Oklahoma, you're still 6-2 and at that point, and you've reached bowl eligibility. And maybe it doesn't go that way. Maybe they stumble somewhere else, but uh, maybe it's Baylor at home or at Kansas. But you could see, as you said, the possibility of what the season could look like if UCF takes care of its business.
1: Yeah, then Cincinnati on the road, Oklahoma Oklahoma State at Tech, and then they've got uh they've got Houston there to wrap things up. So they get two of the schools coming into the league with them, actually two a you know two AAC foes, uh in the league you know in that final month. I I I don't have high hopes for those schools, so there's some opportunity there, right? And you obviously have the fact that Oklahoma State's going to be a home game, the one at Tech it's going to be a challenge. I think a lot of folks expect that Tech's going to be still pretty good at that point in time if things go to plan for them this year. So I think kind of overall, we're thinking around the range. And yeah, you know better than me. What is the, uh, what is the over-under win total for them? I think I saw it, was it uh, six and a half at one point? Six, six and a half.
0: I've seen six and a half. I am in the camp of get to a bowl and you've had a successful first year in the big 12. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, hope springs eternal for fans uh, in the middle of preseason camp. And people are talking eight, nine, 10, they're going to be in that conference championship game. Yeah. A lot of what ifs in that. And if John rice Plumley stays healthy and uh, you know, there isn't a, a degrading of the depth over the course of the season, but you can see, as you said, possibilities in this schedule, seven eight wins i feel like eight is the is a ceiling for me mm-hmm. uh, a lot of things kind of got to go right there i'm not a big believer that they fare well at texas tech i mean ucf has traditionally uh, under gus malzahn two seasons struggled a little bit more on, on the road obviously protected home but you look at that home schedule there's no intimidating get you know game where you go well they can't win you know kent state villanova obviously those two wins there Baylor, West Virginia, you you like that. Uh, Oklahoma State's the annual space game, so there's always a lot of enthusiasm, Mm -hmm. a lot of energy around that game, and uh, that's a big-name opponent. That game already sold out, the big 12 games, uh, you know, uh, Baylor, West Virginia, Oklahoma State sold out. And UCF's got history with Houston, played with them in multiple leagues, and uh, like uh, ending with senior night at home against Houston. Uh, You mentioned Cincinnati on the road. That's been UCF's best rivalry in the last couple of seasons. UCF gotten the better of that, 17, 18, 19. The last couple of years, you know, maybe Cincinnati's fared better and has had more success. So, uh, you know, the geographic uh, rivalry maybe Cincinnati-West Virginia for them reuniting, uh, but uh, UCF still looks to Cincinnati until those rivalries develop organically uh, for UCF in this new-look Big 12, and that's just going to be decided by the games on the field. But, you know, eight wins maybe there as a Mm -hmm. ceiling, but, you know, there's no game. Maybe Oklahoma is the toughest on the schedule, but, you know, is which Oklahoma is that? Is that the Oklahoma of last season or, you know, uh, so uh, you like UCF's chances. uh, Nobody you fear on the schedule, protect home, handle things uh, decently on the road, and you can have a good first year in the big 12. I think what we have come accustomed to with rocky transitions for schools, making that jump up with the transfer portal, uh, with the changes in college athletics, I don't think it's quite the jump anymore. Right. You know, you can restock, and it's just one year. You know, you want to keep a guy for a couple of seasons, but the portal giveth, taketh away. You're going to lose guys, and UCF's still going to be able to bring guys in. Coaches say that they think they've gotten the better of it the last couple of seasons. Yeah, they've lost some guys that they'd rather not lose. They lost center Matt Lee to Miami, and now they've got three guys battling for the position uh, in one of the more closely watched battles of camp but they brought in guys through the portal and you just restock and refortify. What's this team look like a year from now? Who knows. Who's, who knows. Who, <laughs> right. who knows what anybody's team looks like a year from now. So, can Oklahoma have turned things around or are they the Oklahoma that struggled in uh, one-score games last year. I think they were zero in 5 in those one-score games. That's a tough game for UCF, but I don't think there's any game on the schedule UCF can't win going into mm-hmm. the season on paper at least.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree with that. They avoid Texas, they avoid TCU, so that, you know, it's not a it's not a terrible draw for them. All right. Trace, where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? Appreciate that. Sons of UCF, we are weekly live
0: Thursdays, 8 to 9, streaming on Facebook, Twitter, X, YouTube, uh, and give a subscription to the Sons UCF. UCF YouTube channel. New show midweek on Suns YouTube channel called Around the Kingdom, where we, a half-hour show where we talk college football and uh, debate topics uh, related to UCF and the Sons of UCF podcast. Anywhere you find your audio feeds, any of your podcasts, all those major services, they come out early in the week. So a robust YouTube channel with a lot of interviews for media day. So if you want to get a preview of the nights from the visiting fan bases, uh, visiting teams, Hop on there and you can give me a follow on Twitter at Seinpez, S-E-I-N-P-E-Z. All sorts of content uh, every day from preseason camp for the Knights.
1: Awesome. Trace Trilco, we will talk to you as the season rolls on. We appreciate your time.
0: Thank you.